Paparazzi's a boon! Bugard down the wing. Bugard falls away. Score! This should be good. This should be very good. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the ninth episode of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and today's guest is uh, a very cool one. It was one Mr. Mike DeGurse, also known as the Goose, and he was a cat that put up a lot of points and a lot of pims for an organization, and he floated around a little bit to a couple of the uh, minor pro leagues and hear a lot of great stories from him. Uh, most notably, he was with the Huntsville Channel Cats and the Huntsville, well, later on the Huntsville Havoc once they joined the SPHL. But he mostly made his career there in Huntsville with the Channel Cats in the old uh, the old Central League. And he even had a pit stop in the infamous Quebec League uh, right before it became the LNH when it was known as the Quebec Senior League. And he played for the infamous Laval Chiefs. And for those out there who haven't seen it, um, definitely go check it out. There's a documentary on that organization by uh, some of you might know this name by Mike. Bo- uh, it's by Mike Bajerni's brother, and Mike Bajerni was actually on the team when they made that documentary. So go out there and check that out. It's on YouTube. It's called Less Chiefs, and it's literally I, I believe the the video icon on YouTube is it shows like the real life slap shot or something something along those lines, but. Definitely go check it out. Unfortunately, DeGers isn't in it, but it's a really cool documentary. Definitely go check it out. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. There's a couple of times, you know, me and Mike, uh, we go off the rails a little bit and get off topic. But, I mean, that's all That's all the fun of it. That's one of the fun parts of podcasting is while this is a fight-focused, uh, you know, show, it's it's also fun to get the side stories and everything like that. It's we were both kind of kicking back some beers. By the end of it, I actually had a, a good buzz going, and I think Mike did too. We were just gassing some beers and uh, getting some stories out, and so he's like, "You know, sorry, went off the rails a little bit." And I said, "No, man, that's uh, you know, that's the fun of it. It's it's stories like this and everything else that need to be heard, and you know, journeys through minor pro hockey. It's not the glamorous NHL life. <laughs> he's got ditched, getting traded to another or getting traded to another team, and." uh even hear about him fighting in not 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 training camp or not a scrimmage. He just goes up and fights the biggest dude on the team during a drill <laughs> to make a name for himself. I believe it was with with Huntsville. Um, so you'll hear that, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun doing this and being able to hear some stories like that and get these guys out there. It's the main goal of you know my podcast and the main goal of of course my you know the OG enforcer podcast, the, uh, the fourth line voice run by Darren. Darren does an awesome show over there. And if you haven't go check his, uh, his show out, he's got, he just had an interview with Chris Graff. He had some audio issues, but I think it should be back up tonight. And for those who don't know who Chris Graff is, he's a fucking tough bastard. He, uh, he even TKO'd Chara in, it was the, it was the dub. And yeah, if very, for, he still looked small, even compared to Chara back in juniors. But even he managed to uh, slay the jo- the jolly giant, I guess. But yeah, definitely go check that out. I got uh, got about halfway through it, and some great stories from uh, Graf on that one. So definitely go check that out. But in other news, I'm actually very excited to uh, have this announcement here on the Five for Fighting show. We have our uh, our first partnership, and it's for a uh, it's for a great cause. And I'm really. Uh, Really grateful I was reached out to by Matt and uh, Matt. If you're listening, man, thanks. I, I can't thank you enough for reaching out to me and uh, offering me this opportunity. And you know, it's nothing. It's not like a big time. It's not like CCM sponsorship or anything. But it's for a good cause. And uh, 
Five for Fighting podcast is actually a uh, it's a proud sponsor of the 2019 Mustache Classic Ice Hockey Outing, which benefits men's cancer and suicide prevention in cooperation with the Movember Foundation on November 16th, 2019 at Danbury Ice Arena in Danbury, Connecticut. And yes, it's exactly where the uh, the infamous Danbury Trashers played, who, uh, you know, Frank Bylow has played on. I have an episode with him. You can go back and check it out. But we're also partnered with uh, Champion Elevator, Roosters Hockey Wax, Boost Oxygen, Spring CBD Sodas, Two for Roughing Designs, Grant Supply Company, the Danbury Hattricks, who now play there with the uh, the FPHL, and last but not least, TK's American Cafe. So it's uh it's a very fun opportunity. Um, if I can, I'm actually I'm I'd love to make the uh, the game <clears throat> and take a trip up to Danbury, but I just don't know how it's going to be. You know, we just moved apartments, everything like that. But if I can go up there and make the uh, make the actual game, that'd be awesome. But another one who's also partnered with, I know we didn't read them off, but uh, my my other right hand man, William, over at the Biscuit, who actually just came out with an episode with uh, Jean Luc Grandpierre. So definitely go check that out. Uh, they're breaking down the Metropolitan Division, who actually, I believe, uh, Grand Pierre just became a analyst for the Columbus Blue Jackets, I believe. So definitely go check that out. But I'm going to try my best to get an episode out next week. I don't know if it's going to happen with everything with my work schedule. I mean, today I just worked like a 13-hour day. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's a little rough, and I'm st- <laughs> I still don't have a desk. I got my I got my auxiliary desk going on here with my... Uh, a little box and my laptop set up on it and I'm holding the microphone up. So again, I apologize if some of the audio pops a little bit, I don't have the pop filter in front of it. So I'm holding it up. So it might sound further away sometimes, or I might sound really loud. So I do apologize. You're working on it. We got a desk on the way it's coming from, uh, coming from Hong Kong. So <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll see what it gets here. I believe it just got in California. So hopefully I have it by next week. Um, if I, I, I don't, I've, I'm not sure if I'll be able to line up a guest or not, uh, to set up a time because I just don't know with my schedule right now. So I think I might just do a filler episode and kind of talk about some stuff that uh, is going on. Well, just went on with the preseason in the NHL and a little bit of topics about that. I actually, I'll just focus on one topic, but it won't be that long of an episode. It'll kind of just be a filler for everybody to, uh, you know, keep it going. I, I don't want to lack content and go weeks on without it. Although I will be taking, I think, about two weeks uh, off after next week's episode i believe but that is because i'm going to try to start doing the lnh special and i believe that's probably going to be about a two-part series or not really series but a two-part special i'm going to have uh some former players on and some fans of the league so i think that'll be a lot of fun but again if you're uh if you're looking for other podcasts out there to listen to after this go check out fourth line voice the biscuit podcast and or uh you know, one I really I really um, enjoy that I recently started to listen to was Get the Gate podcast. They kind of cover the current stuff. I try to keep up to date with it a little bit. I don't. I know I don't watch the game anymore, but I kind of try to keep up just a little bit. And Get the Gate's really good at doing that. So that's uh, that's one I definitely recommend. Those guys are awesome over there. So definitely go check them out. But anyways, uh, I'll get it off. I'll, I'll cut it off there because uh, <laughs> I'm running long-winded here i'm tired as hell from working and you didn't come here to hear me yap you came here for the goose mike degers so without further ado i'll pass it over to him thanks everybody hope you enjoy this should be good this should be very good all right and here today for episode number nine we have goose aka mike degers mike how you doing today man uh pretty good thanks how you doing 
good, man. I appreciate you for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast and give us some crazy stories about your uh, your journey through the minor hockey leagues. Well, you know, I, I've listened to the uh, first eight episodes, uh, or maybe seven, but uh, definitely enjoyed every one of them. There you go. First time caller, long time listener, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, it, surprised, it surprised me when you said, you know, that you actually listened to it because, you know, I'm a fairly new podcast, but I suppose you probably got onto it from like the little Facebook group or whatever that we have going on, I'm sure. And I promote this. Well, shit actually, out of it on uh, Jason Renard is a, is a friend of mine, and uh, I played against him, fought him before. So he was, I think he was your first guest. Yes, he was. So I listened to that podcast and kind of really enjoyed uh, enjoyed hearing Rennie's story. Oh yeah, Rennie was a fucking beauty, man. I love him. That was what a, I was. I was spoiled for my first guest. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's a super beaut. Uh, I played with him in Quebec, and uh, he actually used to come to my apartment and uh, knock on the door. And you know, I'd go to the door and answer, and there, there'd be Jason Renard uh, in the afternoon and in Laval, and he'd be uh, he'd be there to visit my dog. I had a Boston Terrier, like. He just bypassed me, hey Goose, and uh, walk across the, <clears throat> into the living room and start petting my dog. Hang out with Oscar for a few few hours, and then leave. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe maybe he was just there for the dog, man. <laughs> he was, no doubt. Yeah, no absolutely. Doubt. He was a beauty. <laughs> well, you started your career off um, in the Southern Hockey League, but I noticed. Um, you know, I, I'm still kind of familiarizing myself with the Canadian Junior Leagues and everything like that. Um, and sometimes hockey DB is a little little off with uh junior b stats did you did you play in junior b or anything or how did you kind of uh i did i played in on yeah i played in ontario um okay and the path there was uh you know you had to make a decision whether to go play major junior at 16 or um uh try to get a scholarship in the united states uh that was the route that i took um, actually uh i don't want to say i'm a smart guy but i kind of enjoyed school and learning and i thought well you know, I've tried that route, and, uh, you know, I just didn't have the heart. My game just didn't evolve into that kind of game. Um, I kind of like the physical play. Um, in the, in my early years, I liked the physical play and, and got in a lot of fights in junior. Right. Um, that's actually how I how I made it. Is, is, uh, I wasn't a very good skater and, and really never was throughout my career, but I had decent hands and um, – you know, I knew how to play my position and, and pick up my check. I wasn't a liability on the ice, so uh, that got me through junior. Scored, you know, I scored. Uh, I was a point of game guy with you know three three hundred minutes plus. Nice. Um, well, that's good, man. I, did you did you ever have any like? Um, well, I guess how, how should we say this? Did you get pushed into the role at all in junior B? Like, kind of, if you want to go somewhere, this might be how you uh, how you kind of pave the path for yourself. Or did it just you know, come naturally to honestly, you? Honestly, no, I really did. Um, and so my my father actually was a coach for one of the junior B teams. And uh, I didn't make his team as a 17-year-old. I actually played junior C, uh, the same league that Dean Mayram played in. Oh, okay. I played for the Moortown Flags. Yep. And uh, I actually fought my way onto that team. I think I fought the first eight games. And uh, the coach called me in his office. And he said to Gers, um, you know, I like your, your style, but I don't know if you – because if you fought once in that league, you're out of the game. And oh, I wow. couldn't make it past the first period. So <laughs> right. I'm eight games in, and he's like, I don't know if you can play or not. Would you stay in the game? <laughs> so I uh, ended up, I was I was a defenseman. And uh, I ended up uh, making the team, and I got the Defenseman of the Year award for the league. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. So the next year, my dad was co- he was a junior B coach. So, you know, first of all, not making your dad's team kind of hurts a little bit the year before. But my dad's <laughs> old school, right? Right. So the next year, we're uh, I'm I'm trying out for the team, and he uh, we're playing an exhibition game against one of our rivals, and he says. Uh, my line's out there, so I'm getting ready to go out. And he kind of holds me back, and he said, "Sit this, uh, sit this shift out." He said, uh, "Next time that guy right there goes on the ice, I want you to go out there and fight him." I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> was, All right. So <clears throat> next time he came on, I went on, and we, we you know, we had a toe to toe, good tilt. He was one of the tougher guys in the league, and uh, I did really well. Um, it was a good fight and, uh, you know, made, made my way onto the team. And then, you know, to his credit, he put me on the line with the two best players on the freaking team. And I ended up with like a whole bunch of points. There you go. Pad your stats a little and, bit. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had to earn it, uh, earn it with him. And, uh, that's just the way he is. And, and I, I appreciate all, all the lessons, life lessons he's taught me. They've really paid off as I got a little older and, you know, I can appreciate those things now. Maybe not so much then, but definitely now. Right. Well, I mean, I I, will, I don't even think that would fly in today's world if a coach snubbed his kid on a team. Everybody would be in fucking outrage that he didn't let his kid on the team, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, definitely. Definitely. Were there any big-name guys that you fought down there in Junior B that, you know, some of the people out there might know? Well, one of the guys on my team, uh, the next year I, I went I went to school, so I played in St. Mary's with the St. Mary's Lincolns, and, and one of the guys on our team was Mason Parrott. Uh, I don't know if you know too much about him, but he he um, he ended up uh, being a tough guy in the NHL and the, the American League and the IHL for a bunch of years. Um, he was a 16-year-old. I was 18 when I played there. Um, what a great guy that guy was. People don't realize, like, how skilled that that – like a player like that is, you know, he's in the NHL with the Leafs and maybe he's a fourth line role guy, but that guy, I'll guarantee you was, and I think someone told me when he was in Nashville, uh, Nathan would have to correct me on this, but he won the the team, the fastest skater, uh, you know, they do their little all-star thing. Like, Like those guys are really good hockey players. Oh yeah, and people people just throw it right out the door just because they see they're kind of they get pigeon or uh, excuse me pigeonholed into the role a little bit, but pigeonholed into the role a, bit, a little bit, and you know what the the role kind of evolved over the years too. So, I mean, if you look at some of the older tough guys' stats, like back in the day, like they were scoring fifteen or twenty goals uh, and having two hundred and three hundred minutes, like oh, the yeah, Bob Roberts sure. and the Craig Berubis. So. They weren't necessarily pigeonholed into the the role of the enforcer. It was it was kind of more of a role player, and those guys fought when they had to. Right. Um, but also, they could play the game. Absolutely. Yeah, like uh, you know, now it, Marty you know, McSorley you know, let five, it. What's up? You know, five ten years ago, um, before they they started weeding out the enforcer role. Uh, you know, there was players in the National Hockey League that were maybe playing two or three minutes a game. You know what I mean? Right. You know, that's 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 a tough freaking role. Like, that's a, that's a total mind fuck to, to, to play, you know, such limited minutes. And the minutes that you are on the ice, it's tough to, to, to play the game, knowing what your role is. I mean, you've got to be ready. Right. And, and those guys were, and that's why they stayed there. You know, there's a lot of people that say, 
you know, how did this guy make it and I didn't? Um, you know, I'm tougher than that guy. But, you know, there's like a Sean Thornton. That guy goes and plays 10 years in the NHL, but he's ready to drop the gloves every time. He picks up his checks. He scores goals. Like, that guy can play. Absolutely. Yeah, I love Thornton, man. Thornton's a fucking beauty. And it's, you know, it's well, it's funny. It's just, it's hard for people to grasp the concept that, you know, it's it's probably a little bit hard to put the puck in the back of the net when you're playing two fucking minutes a night and everybody just wants to look at stats and points and everything like that to because yeah, everything's so stat related went, now. Yeah, it's all stats. Stats Every, went out the window. Exactly. Stats went out the window 10, 10, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, for sure. And now that's all that's all the game is now, it seems. And so they just kind of – they guys such as yourself and, like, the people we mentioned, they just get looked over because, you know, they might not have the most stats or whatever. And you know what? Stats, it kind of equates to minutes played. Like, right. how are you supposed to produce if you're playing, uh, you know, 10 minutes a game? Exactly. You know, when I go watch NHL games now, because uh, I live in, in Alabama, so I go up to Nashville every once in a while, everybody looks the same to me. Like, I can't tell the superstar from the fourth-line banger. Exactly. You know, because everyone looks the same. But if you go through the stats, you know, there's a handful of guys that have more stats than everybody else. Well, those guys are on the power play, and those guys are playing 30 minutes a game. Exactly. And usually those guys are high draft picks, because if you're a high draft pick, then they're going to play you. Right. It's just, I just, I... It's not for me to watch, and I do the same thing at the Lightning games because um, I, I live here in Tampa, and I've gone. To, I went to about probably seven or eight last year, and just just looking around, it's like everybody looked the same. It was the same game the entire like every game I went to it was the same. It was no different game. It's it's boring to me, which I mean I know it's, it's Neanderthals it sound with that when there's you know it sounds like I'm bloodthirsty wanting hits and fights, but it's not it. You just want some emotion, but at the same time, you know, it's like those those players have an impact on the game. There's a reason why that role flourished for so many years until the NHL weeded it out. And you know what? Not even the – yes, for the role too, but not even the role. Just every player had to bring it. Exactly. You know, you look at the NHL today, there's two different There's two different seasons. There's oh, the regular yeah. season, and then there's playoffs. Now, I'll watch as many playoff games as I can because every freaking guy is giving it 110%. Right. You know, everyone's finishing every check. The referees aren't putting their arms up every freaking minute for, you know, bullshit penalties. It's freaking fun to watch. Unfortunately, I don't think that, you know, the way the league is today, that, you know, the human body can hold up for 84 games playing that style. Exactly. It's It, it, does, it does take a toll on the players and everything like that. And you always hear after playoffs what, what injuries guys have and what they played through and shit. And shit. It's fucking rough, man. Exactly. That's when they separate the boys from the men in the playoffs. Exactly. Well, the Lightning. It's hard to pick. It's hard to quick. pick a winner. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Like they dominated the whole regular season, right? Exactly. And then you got a team. Was it Columbus that came in and spanked them? Oh yeah, they steamrolled them, man. Just fucking four and done. And you know, it's funny because yeah. I actually I called. You know, not to sound like I'm. You know, oh, I'm Poindexter. I know everything. But I was like, you know, I don't see the Lightning making it past. I thought I didn't think they were going to make it past the second round, and I had everybody ask me, "Oh, why? They, you know, the regular season they were best, best the senior, or best the salary cap era has ever seen." Blah blah blah. I'm like, just watch, man. Their their style of play won't work in the playoffs, and I know they're not going to change because they don't have any of the guys that'll bring it like that. And sure enough, they got yeah, fucking and not, dummied. You know, you're absolutely right. And in today's game, um, with the officiating, uh, the way they're directed to call penalties and stuff, you know, a power play in the regular season can win you 15 games a year. 
hundred percent. You know, and that shit ain't gonna fly in a play in a in a seven game series. You're not gonna get those calls. You're not gonna get those opportunities. Right. So, well, anyways, <laughs> we got off the rails a little bit here, but it's all good. I've, I don't. I could fucking talk all day about this shit, man. <laughs> so, well, you end up with the uh, Winston Salem Mammoths in the Southern Hockey League. How did that happen, man? Well, I went to. Uh... Coming out of junior, I went to Johnstown in the East Coast League. Uh, I got a try out there. Um, like I said, I put up good numbers in junior. And uh, one of the local guys who had connections, um, like my coach in junior was, was Mark Hunter. Um, and, and, you know, that guy was a, is a mastermind uh, when it comes to hockey. So we ended up getting uh, – I ended up getting a tryout in Johnstown. Uh, Nick Fatio was the coach. There. Oh, wow. He's an old – yep. Yeah, okay, I love it to you. So my old man dro- uh, drove, I think it was a six or seven hour drive, and he dropped me off in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. You know, I'm, I'm from an Indian reservation in Ontario, so I never really uh, grew up on the res. I didn't really, you know, get out too horribly much, you know, family vacations and stuff like that. But, you know, away from Amjanong, um, you know, Sarnia, we got some big cities there, but to be in the States was a little, uh, a lot different culture shock for me so he dropped me off in Johnstown um went to camp there I fought uh I think I fought every day um I fought Billy Tibbetts he was there I fought him a couple times oh nice he fucked me up in our first fight he uh caught me with one right in the nose um before I knew you know almost knew I was in a fight I had to go off and uh they put those little plugs in my nose the trainer Right. So I had those plugs in my nose, and I just went back on the ice, and he was on the ice. We were, there was, we were still playing an inter-squad game, and I fought him again with with the plugs in my nose. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to go home. I wanted to make that team, and uh, I knew what I had to do. So we uh, we had two exhibition games uh, against uh, Erie, and I fought uh, the first game at home, and it was the second fight in the same stoppage, so I got kicked out. And then we went to Erie, and I fought three times that game. And I thought I had a pretty good chance. Um, I felt like I was, you know, right in the hunt, which I was. And then, you know, you get that call into the into the room, and you get that bad news. And Nicky's like, hey, like, you know, obviously he appreciated uh, what I was trying to bring to the team, but they didn't have room. Philadelphia sent a bunch of guys down to Hershey and Hershey sent a bunch of guys down to Johnstown and you know, the old numbers game, right? Yeah. Just bad timing. Right. So I got caught up in that. And so I was like, Oh, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? Um, and there was a couple other guys that got released as well. And they were going to West Palm in the uh, Southern league. Oh, okay. so I was like, man. So, yep. Yep. So they're, they're in the league. So I'm like, shit, you know, can I, can I catch a ride with you guys? And you know, I'll go, try out there too what do i got to lose at this point right so the guy i wish i could remember his name um so the guy's like yeah yeah you know we'll ride with us and then they ditched me oh nice <laughs> I, I was, yeah i was waiting on the street with my bag my hockey bag and my you know suitcase there and you know all pumped up lonely ready to guy go. at the hotel ready to go and uh yeah they ditched me man oh what a bunch of fucking I was assholes like, oh. Yeah, so I was like, fuck, what am I going to do now? And uh, I, I talked to Nikki one more time, and he's like, all right, my, my buddy is assistant coach down in Winston. I want you to go down there. 
uh, Vic Poser was his buddy. I was like, all right, you know, shit, what do I got to lose? I had a hundred bucks and I think, uh, I caught a Greyhound. It was, it, it was under a hundred bucks. So I hopped a Greyhound from Winston to, to uh, Johnstown. I don't know. It's probably like a 12 hour drive, but on the Greyhound, it's like a freaking 26 hour event. Holy shit. And that was the same year that the, uh, the million man March was going down in Washington. So the Greyhounds were packed. You know, I had a layover in Washington, and uh, I don't even know if you call it riding the bus a layover, but I was waiting for one bus in, in Washington, <laughs> and the bus terminal was packed. And then the police walked in, and then everybody scattered. Like, it was empty. It was like me and four other people. And I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> so I get on the bus. I ride all night, man. You know, like literally it was like a 26-hour journey. You know, you try to sleep when you can, but I don't really know where I am. I get to Winston, and this is before, like, cell phones and shit. So right. I go to the pay phone, and I have this number that I scratched down uh, when I was talking to Nikki in Johnstown. And I call that number, and uh, this guy picks up, and he's like, hey, uh, John Krause, it was the trainer for the winston Salem Mammoths. I was like, hey, this is, you know, Mike DeGurse. I'm here, you know, for camp. And he's like, he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know I'm coming. <laughs> right. He's like, who he the goes, fuck oh, is this guy know? calling me right now? <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, he's like, where are you? I said, I'm at the, I'm at the bus station. He goes, holy shit, it's kind of dangerous down there. I'm going to come pick you up. And uh, I was like, oh, crap. So he comes and picks me up. And it's like, you know, 930, 10 o'clock in the morning. And he drives me to the rink with my stuff, and the team's out there practicing. Already been, uh, you know, in their camp for you know a week plus. Right. So uh, he goes, "You want to put your stuff on and go out?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's, you know, that's why I'm here." So I I gear up, and we're walking out to the ice, and I asked him, "I was like, who's the toughest guy out here?" And he says, uh, "That guy right there." So they're doing drills, and I just stepped onto the ice. And it's not even a scrimmage game. It's a drill. And <laughs> skated over to that guy, and I said, let's go. Who was it? He's like, what the, who the fuck are you? Uh, fuck. I think his name was uh, – I can't remember. He he wasn't – he was gone after I dropped him. So we <laughs> dropped the rope him. right there. <laughs> and, and well, was... I caught him. I caught him, and I cut him open. He had to go for stitches. Punched him out. And uh, when I came off the ice, uh, I signed a contract. I was I was in, so that was it right there, right? Yeah. <laughs> not even in fucking not even a scrimmage or nothing, right in a drill. Let's fucking go. That's fucking awesome, man. <laughs> well that's oh, how it shit. was back then. Oh you yeah. Know, there, that there was, shit would never yeah. happen now. Never happened. And uh Johnny Anderson was the coach there. You know, that's the guy who's played for the Toronto Maple Leafs for, you know, ten years, first pick. Played over a thousand games in the NHL. Why he was there coaching is beyond me. He's actually, I think he's a, you know, coach in the NHL, the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, I think last year, the last time I saw him was in Nashville last year. He was assistant coach for the Minnesota Wild, and for some reason, he was in the Southern Hockey League that year <laughs> as coach, and he took a team full of absolute fucking misfits to the finals. We almost won. That's fucking great. He was one of the best coaches I've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah, sorry, Dad, but uh, Johnny A was pretty good. <laughs> hey, you know what? Fuck it. Your dad cut you, so maybe you know he gets he gets some leeway here. 
<laughs> yeah, that league was a trip too. Uh, you know, you had uh, West Palm Beach, you had Daytona Beach, you had Jacksonville and Lakeland, uh, Huntsville and Winston-Salem. You know, I didn't know what it meant. Uh, you know, I'd never played pro hockey. So, you know, one of the first road trips we went on. And, and since I was in Winston, we would go on like two and three week road trips. Right. No one was making fuck all for money. So, you know, we were relying on per diem and ham sandwiches from the booster club, <laughs> you know, to survive. Um, we'd all run out of money after a week. But uh, I remember we were in Winston-Salem and it was, this was really early in the season. And, uh, uh, sorry, we, we uh, had a road trip and we were in uh, Daytona beach and, you know, I'm on the beach, it's game day. And uh, I didn't know anything about this pregame naps and, and game preparation shit. Right. Right. So I'm tooting down the beach on a freaking uh, rented one of those like little motorbikes. <laughs> I'm tooting down the beach on a motorbike and I blow past our coach and Vic Pose, our assistant coach, and our head coach. Oh fuck. And they double take and, and, and then I'm, I blow by him on a motorbike, one of those little dirt bikes that you rent. They right. double take, like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> and we go to the game, right? Like, and I'm swimming in the ocean and, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. And, you know, we go to the game and my sunburn starts setting in. Like, I'm purple. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that Florida sun you, go get out you of man. The, I'm all, exactly. I'm all day in the sun, bouncing around, you know, swimming. And I'm wondering where everybody else is, but I'm like, well, I'm here. And I get to the rink, and uh, like I said, I'm going down to tie my skates, and I just, my body's turning purple. Like I'm putting my shoulder pads on, and uh, it feels like uh, like <laughs> freaking sandpaper. Right. So yeah, uh, one of the players came over, like one of the you know Wiley veterans are like, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be prepping and getting." Like I didn't know. So I actually uh, I had a couple couple fights that game, and you know kind of playing guilty is like shit i better i didn't know i was you know screwing up i better you know bring it tonight right <laughs> so johnny uh, johnny anderson had a little talk with me after it's like hey hey knucklehead like what are you doing you gotta you know you're a professional hockey player now you gotta you know you're here to play play hockey <laughs> you're not here on a tourist uh, so you know i apologize and you know, i was a young kid who had a lot to learn so and that was the place to do it because there was a lot of knuckleheads on that team. Oh, that's, that's fantastic, man. Just go for a leisurely, uh, leisurely stroll on a little dirt bike on the fucking beaches of Daytona before the game. That's fucking great, Oh, I man. was tearing it up, man. I was tearing it up. <laughs> right in front of the coaches. Yeah. Holy shit, what a story. <laughs> um, what are the guys I wanted to ask you about? There's, there's two guys. Eh, well, fuck it, three. <laughs> a bunch of guys. I'm looking through the roster here now. Um but one of the guys I wanted to ask you about, who was a, a guy I was a fan of when he was on the Mallards, uh, was Mark McFarland. What was it like playing with him? What a what an awesome guy that Mark McFarland is. He was in Hampton Roads uh, earlier in the season. He ended up getting sent down. Um, I can't believe Brophy let a guy like that go. But what a freaking just a good guy to be around. I really enjoyed uh, playing with Mark. We ended up being becoming like really good friends that year. And I never played with him again. I played against him once in the, in the central league a little bit later, but he was one of those guys I kept in touch with for a while, for a while. And it's good to, you know, we're friends on Facebook and it's good to see, you know, he's got, you know, two, two couple beautiful kids and, you know, he's living a good life. And right. he, he was a tough customer. Like he was maybe five eleven, two hundred 200 plus pounds. And, you know, and a good hockey player, like 
he won the, you know, the Memorial Cup and in Swift Current, I think. And he had uh, also won in university with Acadia. So he had these two big rings, uh, championship rings that I saw. And and uh, when I saw those, uh, I knew, like, man, I want to win one of those one day. Right. But so he was uh, definitely two thumbs up. Awesome, man. Yeah, I love watching Well, like I should say, I loved watching him. I was really little watching him, but I always remember him. Uh, Gary Goulash and Toporowski on the Mallards. That's where I grew up in the Quad Cities. So that's what I always remember him. I definitely had to ask about him. Um, that's a pretty good lineup right there. Yeah, right? I, fucking, I love Toporowski, man. He's like a quiet dude, but he'll just fuck you up when he needs to. He just flips that switch. But um, another guy I wanted to ask you about was uh, Tom Moulton. What was it like playing with him? Uh, Moltz is actually a really good friend of mine to this day. Um, he lives in Nashville right now. He's got a son. I think his son plays in the USHL in Green Bay. Um, I think he went to the Preds rookie camp this year. Uh, I think Moltz had a couple hundred minutes uh, that year in, in uh, Winston-Salem. He probably got about 100 of those minutes for picking up my gloves. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, he got uh, 200 minutes on the dot. Did he? Yep. I hope he listens to this, man. Probably a hundred of those were for picking up my gloves. <laughs> That's fucking great. Oh shit! So the next year you wind up in Huntsville. How did that happen? We're making the switch from the uh, the Southern League to the Central League. Well, so in Winston Salem, we went to the finals uh, and we played Huntsville Channel Cats. And uh, one of the guys I re- wanted to fight all year in in uh, Huntsville was Craig Cox. Um, I'm a huge freaking hockey fight fan. And Bob Probert was my favorite player of all times. My Indian reservation is about an hour away from Detroit on the Canadian side, huge Red Wings fan. Those Probert Cox fights, especially that one in Detroit legendary, right? So now I'm on the same ice as Coxie. So I, you know, I used to, Hey Coxie, let's go. And he'd be like, fuck off. (laughs) Fuck off. Go, (laughs) go away, go away. And then every time I challenge Coxie, uh, he'd tell me to go away, and then next shift I'm out there. There's some other, you know, young guy saying, "Hey, let's go." So you know, I had to pay that price for for challenging Coxie, and I end up fighting someone else. But in the in the playoffs, Coxie finally turned around and said, "Fuck, let's go, kid." And I was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> ready for that." <laughs> I was know? ready for it in, in regular season, but now what the fuck are we doing, man? <laughs> Well, I didn't think he was going at this point. You know, we were down 5-1 to one in the game four of the series or whatever, and uh, I was like, let's go. And he said, fuck, let's go, kid. And so he dropped the gloves, and we have a good bout. Uh, you know, I'm throwing him, he's throwing him, and then he, he does some kind of turn thing on my shoulder and turn me around and put me down. And I was – he probably thought it was the weirdest thing that he's on top of me after, you know, fucking winning a fight, and I got a smile on my face from ear to ear. Right. You know, thanks for the fight. You know, they got to, can't wait to go home and tell all my friends. Exactly. Um, and then before I got out of the box, we had tied the game up. It was 5-5. Five, five. My team was so fucking pumped up. It was Holy fun. shit. We almost, yep, yep. We scored four four goals while I was in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, you end up winning? We ended up losing the series to, to, to Huntsville. They won the championship. Oh. And, uh... That's how I ended up in Winston. The, the, so the league folded that year, and the Central League expanded. Right. So all the players from the Southern League basically started getting picked up into the East Division of the Central Hockey League. Okay. And uh, me and Tom Moulton, uh, you know, Larry Floyd, who was the coach of Huntsville, said, fuck, I want DeGurst and I want Moulton. 
and uh, he he brought us into Huntsville, and that's how I ended up in Huntsville in the, in the uh, Central Hockey League. Gotcha. Well, I mean, you definitely left your mark in Winston Salem. You put up thirty eight points on three hundred and two pims, so you uh, you were pretty busy on the score sheet and on the fucking in the pim department. Yeah, I learned a lot that year. Um, you know, I fought everybody I had to. Uh, uh, Lakeland had a guy, Doug Mann. Um, fuck, I fought him I don't know how many times. You know, I played against him my whole career. I bet you I fought him over ten times. Right. But that's when I learned what a lefty was. Uh, the first time I dropped the gloves with Doug Mann in the, in the Southern League. Um, fuck, man, before I knew what was going on, he was swinging with the wrong hand. So he beat the shit <laughs> out of me with, the, <laughs> with his left hand. Yeah. What the hell was that? And then someone says he's a lefty. I'm like, well, what the? What does that mean? It means he swings with his left hand. I'm like, holy shit! Well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so, I went out and fought him the next period and, and did a lot better that time. And uh, but he was one of those guys that uh, every time we played, we were we were dropping the gloves. Awesome. We had some good bouts, man. I, I think I fought him at least ten times. Holy shit! He well, was I, a gamer. I can even imagine fighting ten times, let alone however many times you fucking. However many pro fights you had, man, that's fucking. It's un. It's it's unreal to like think about it in today's world now, because I mean, well, the Leafs all together, I think, had like six fights last year, and that was as a team. Yeah, and that was like a fucking training camp back in the day. No, not even not even a full one. That was like first period of the training camp. Right. It's crazy. Um. So a couple of the guys I wanted to ask you about on the uh the Huntsville team. Well, he was actually he was on your Winston Salem team, but he was only there for four games, but then he followed you over to uh Huntsville. <clears throat> Excuse me, is uh a guy who's he's an absolute beauty on social media, but Max Middendorf, what was it like playing with Max? Oh, see the mad I love the madman. I yeah. mean you know, when I played with him, I was like so I was twenty in Winston and I was twenty one my first year in the Central League and you know, Madman been around you know, he was a high draft pick, played uh some games in the NHL in Quebec and you know fuck dude was a legend tough tough customer a really big man and like just a good human being um he helped me out a lot that year uh, in in uh Huntsville because you know I think one I think I quit like two times that year and uh you know the first time he's like goose shut the fuck I, I got a, I got a really hot start that year and you know scored a bunch of goals and thought I was a player you know every tough guy's freaking mistake when you start thinking you're a player and you know need more ice time and you know back in those days there was the west coast hockey league the western pro hockey league and the central hockey league and there was no deals amongst anybody so you could play in one league and if you didn't like it you could jump to the other there's nothing that could stop oh shit so it was a player's market back then so i was like fuck this i quit i'm i'm going to san diego and you know max would be like dude settle down you know (laughs) shut up kid just play. You're doing good. You know, you're scoring goals. Everyone loves you. Shut up. I think the second time he did it, he said, well, I think you got to go. <laughs> I was like, what? You're not going to talk me out of it? He goes, no, I think you got to go. No, you, so you I know, I like, tried the yeah. first time. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now screw you, man. Right. Um, but uh, I think one time I, it was like uh, we were all out the night before. We had a, we were going out to a Western swing and uh, – you know, all the boys went out the night before having a few wobbly pops. And, you know, the the idea back then is, hey, we got a 10-hour bus ride tomorrow. We'll just sleep it off, right? <laughs> so that night I quit. Uh, suck this, I quit, you know, all that 
good stuff. <laughs> and uh, my teammates weren't having it. So we went out, and I think I had like some Billabong corduroys, some Vans sneakers, and a Superman T-shirt that I went out with the night before. Oh, beautiful. And the next thing I remember is I wake up, and I'm like, where, the, where am I? You know, I feel like I was in a coffin. Well, I'm on the bus. <laughs> Those guys took me. I was passed out, I guess. They freaking literally, like, hand-carried me, threw me on the bus, packed my gear, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> stuffed me on the bus. And I was like, oh, man, what, what you know, what are you trying to remember the night before? And right. I was like, what are we doing? And I'm like, oh, you know, thanks, guys, you know, for saving me. Oh, you know, where's my suitcase? They're like, suitcase? We didn't pack me any freaking clothes. <laughs> so you were stuck in the, the beautiful, uh, the Billabong Corduroy's Vans and a Superman shirt. <laughs> For a week. Oh, For a man. freaking week. Oh, yikes. <laughs> That's fucking I think great. I borrowed one of, the ki- one of the guys had an extra team jacket, maybe the trainer, and he was like a medium, and I'm a freaking, you know, chubby little freaking Indian squeezing <laughs> into it. <laughs> oh fuck, that's too great. Well, it's funny because you actually ended up putting up the same amount of points as uh as uh Mittendorf that year. You actually had more goals than him. He 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 got you in the assist department, but you had more goals than him. So you can always you can at least give him shit about that if he ever tries to uh <laughs> ever tries to no, get at he, you. He was a good he was a good dude. I mean, he was the the epitome of uh you know what it meant to be a pro. He had a really good head on his shoulders. Um, it was good to have some kind of like leadership like that. That was a young Huntsville team. Uh, it was a lot of the misfits from the old Southern league and, you know, bringing in Max, he came in a little later, uh, Larry Floyd, our coach, you know, he played a, a bunch of years in the, in the old IHO. So we got a lot of connections out there and, you know, the, the leadership, Max Middendorf and, and Mark Bashan was another guy, older guy to kind of wrangle us little Wahoos in. I mean, we were, we were a little crazy. I remember in training camp that year, uh, you know, before training camp, before we get into our apartments, they'd put us all in hotels. And I think it took us three days in the hotel before hotel management went to the, to the uh, organization and said, you guys got to go. <laughs> <laughs> you guys getting fucking evicted. We can't do this shit anymore. <laughs> we got evicted before the season even started, Jesus man. Christ. And, uh, yeah, I know. I woke up one morning and I looked down at the pool there at the, at the hotel, and it was it was filled with uh, furniture from one of the one of the rooms, Holy and I was shit. like, "Oh, this ain't gonna be good." Larry Floyd called us and the whole team in, and I mean, he let everybody have it. <laughs> yeah, we went out. We ended up with a really good start, though. Everyone's like, "Holy shit, boys! We better fucking yeah, we better win some games." Let a fire under our ass. You're out there partying like fucking Motley Crue or some shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man. That's great. Yeah, man, Max is a fucking, he's a good dude. Um, I've yeah, I still you. keep in touch with him a little bit through social media. Um, he was, uh, he's definitely, a, you know, I consider him a good friend of mine. He's He was, uh, like I said, he provided a certain leadership on that hockey team that, that was definitely needed. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I've had a few interactions with him on Twitter and Facebook, and he's he's a fucking genuine dude. I love Max. He's a beauty. He's actually got an interview with uh, Fourth Line Voice, too. So anybody out here after this, go and check that out. Uh, highly recommended. Max is a fucking beauty. But uh, another guy I wanted to ask you about on this Huntsville team was uh, Jonathan Dubois. What was it like playing with him? Uh, Doobie was like, he's a little Frenchman. Um, really good hockey player. Uh 
see, back then in the Central League, like it didn't matter if you scored 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 goals. Like, everybody had to freaking play tough. Right. And he didn't back down from nobody. <clears throat> like, that guy was a marathon fighter. Like, if you, he wasn't going heavies all the time. Sometimes he did. But his fights would last forever. Um, he was a gamer, just a true competitor, uh, really good hockey player, a lot of heart. Um, he'd always put up good numbers and good minutes, too. And, you know, he's got 300 minutes for a guy that's five foot fuck all, you know, Frenchman that is out there to play. Right. Uh, his minutes were, he had a lot of fucking majors. Absolutely. A lot yeah, of fighting majors. All... You know, according to uh, Hockey DB here, he's five nine at one eighty, so he wasn't he wasn't that big of a dude at all. Exactly, exactly. that's fucking crazy. Now, what, one of my favorite players too from that uh, team is uh, Phil the Thrill Daggle. Oh, uh, I was about to ask you that you know, him, he... about him for the next year too. <laughs> I was about to ask you about him. You're over here in my pocket. Right. Little... Hate it, man. Hate it. Yeah, <laughs> he's like still one of my best friends to this day. Um, he actually, when I got married, uh, I got Phil. Phil ordained minister so he could preside over my wedding. Like that's how much oh, I love this guy. That's fucking great. Yeah, like he's a complete. He's just a complete talker. He's got a gift for gab. Uh, he was one of those guys. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, what do the kids call it these days? Chirping or something like that. Oh yeah. So he was a yeah. So he was the best chirper. Yeah, he was the best chirper, man. You know, telling young guys, you better do your homework, kid. Be fucking with the you know, the real man here, and he's got this little grangly voice. <laughs> he was my centerman, so he was a trip. That's great. That guy started a lot of fights, man. That's probably why I had so many, so many minutes <laughs> playing the line with that guy. I had to guy. play clean up with him. Yeah, right. Well, he'd take care of them. He'd take care of the ones I didn't want to do. I don't want to get beat up by no little guy, so I was like, Bill, take care of this guy. You got it. Where is he? He's mine. That's great. With his size, he almost kind of reminds me of like a. Oh, I guess I. Of course, I haven't looked up any of his fights, but he, the way he sounds is almost like a little bit of a John Morasty, where he kind of, he's not the biggest guy, but he'll just fucking go and throw hands, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you, when you like John Morasty's in a, a league of his own, he's like, fucking insane. You know what I mean? Like that's just uh, that's just next level tough. Yeah, uh, I've, I love. I've never Marasty. played against him, but I've watched a lot of his fights on YouTube and. Like, just nothing but mad respect for a guy like that. Like, I don't know how he does it. It just doesn't even make freaking sense. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, man. It's just he – I don't know how he can get hit so hard, smile, and then just give it right back to a guy. It blows my fucking mind. <laughs> I don't even know how he reaches some of those. I think I've seen him McIntyre with a tilt. How does he even reach those fucking guys? Exactly. I don't, I don't know. Hell, he even fought, like, a, that's he fought next Bugard level. out in the, in the dub, too. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, and he, he he never loses, you know. And if he like does, he, it, he's, he, he even when he gets like off. he got knocked out, of, knocked out once or twice by uh, Bosse, oh, but oh yeah, um, he gave him just as good as he was getting him. Oh yeah, and you know, and in the next game, he's hey, let's go! Like there's no fear in that kid. I, that's a scary man, you know. Absolutely, it really is. He even said about the Bosse fights, he was like, you know, I I might have done better had I, you know, like kind of tied him up a little bit or skated around but he's like i just wanted to go toe to toe like this is it's mind blowing that's just fucking crazy you have to, you have to be next level maniac for that man <laughs> it's, it's like i've been in hundreds of fights and i can't even understand like the mentality of a, of a warrior like that it's awesome and he's a beauty on facebook too he's a little part of the facebook group and he'll chime in from time to time and i love it yeah um, so the next year at huntsville you end up, I mean, this is your your highest PIM year and your highest point total. 
you end up with 65 points and 335 pims. How in the fuck did you manage that? <laughs> so that's when I thought I was a player. I mean, holy shit. Well, I mean, you uh, showed it. You had 65 <laughs> points. Like, fuck. <laughs> so I, that's when I like I started to evolve. I worked on my skating, worked really hard in the offseason. Um, I like to play hockey. Like, I love the, the game of hockey, right? Um, I've always dropped the gloves in order to get me where I needed to be. But at the end of the day, I always wanted to be a hockey player. And I know this podcast is kind of a, geared towards, you know, that role of an enforcer, but um, I fought when I had to, uh, sometimes when I wasn't supposed to, but I, I, I did what I had to do in order to play. I wasn't a very good skater. So in order for me to get the space that I needed to do, to play i've got really good hands in order to get into those positions i had to i had to scare some people right um so my reputation was kind of getting a little stronger in the central league and uh larry floyd had me on the power play uh so there's you know there's goals there and i played with a centerman his name was ron handy and this guy you know he was probably 30 plus years old at this part in his career and he played in the nhl and played using like a a freaking legend in Lafayette in the East Coast League. He's like hundreds of points wherever he goes. And you know what? If I went to the net and put my stick down, that guy could bounce it off my stick right into the net. <laughs> so uh, I played a lot. Um, I was really excited to be there, really excited to uh, to score. And, and I, I love scoring goals. Um, you know, not a lot of guys that fight a lot get, a, get that opportunity to to play as well. And, you know, I had to find that balance between um, right. playing and, you know, having to drop the gloves at the same time, you know, you're, you're playing in, in against some of these tough guys that are knocking on the door and, you know, fuck you're at the end of your shift. You know, sometimes you got to say no. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, and it's, it's like that. You say you, you wanted to play hockey and sometimes with, <clears throat> Excuse me, with certain guys and their abilities, you know, like you said, your skating wasn't that strong. It's, it's what you, do, it's what you got to do to kind of, you know, stay in the league. And, you know, this, like you said, this podcast is geared for enforcers, and that's what this. Regardless of if you wanted to be in the role or not, I always, I still, no matter what, I always respect a person who can drop the gloves in front of X amount of fans, and you know, bleed and get injured for their team. And you know, most guys will say, if I could have scored fifty goals, I would have, but they couldn't. Sure. Um, absolutely but you know like you said you, you say you wanted to be a hockey player to me man that's that's the definition of a fucking hockey player is the shit that you did and you know putting on your sweater playing for the crest and bleeding for your teammates man it's it's the epitome of a hockey player to me of course now other people may think different and you know just call players like yourself a plug which is completely fucking disgusting in my in my opinion but you know you are a hockey player regardless of what it, you know I know you 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 don't give yourself enough credit probably, but you know, it's, it is what it is. And that's, that was the other thing. So, you know, when you're popping 38 goals and it's hard for anyone to call me a plug. So that was, you know, I've, it was, there were situations where I'd be in a game and it would be a close game. And, you know, somebody would maybe not play as many minutes as me would want to fight. And I didn't always get to fight when I wanted to. So when you start scoring a bunch of goals, um, I can't always fight every time a guy asks me to fight because right. that's not what the team always wanted from me, which was the hardest thing. That was one of the hardest transitions I ever had to do. 
because I've you know my first two or three years I was like fuck let's go anytime you know anytime anyone any place and then you know now when your coach says I listen I don't want to, I'll tell you right now don't fight this guy tonight right and, I was and then like, you're like well, fuck what happens challenge you know, you. what happens if, exactly and uh, you know that was kind of a that was kind of a tough situation to be in and feel my way out I didn't always listen but you know and if you ever look at my stats I'm always short. Uh, like if it's a seventy game series season, I maybe play fifty. Yeah, like the, high, was the highest one he had was sixty two. That was the highest games I've ever played. Yeah, it was the, your first fill or yeah. your first uh, first season out there in Huntsville? Right. So usually I play. I usually like I'll, I take suspensions as well. That's another thing. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys talk about the code, um, and I'm I have mixed feelings about the code. Um, you know, my, my goal was to win games and do the best I can. So I wasn't afraid to take a suspension. I, you know, I know, you know, one year in the central league, uh, Mike Bajorni, who ended up being a good friend of mine later in the, in the, in the, in the Quebec league, uh, he chased me around the ice one game in Tulsa and I turned around and fucking baseball swinged him across the head. Took a seven gamer. Like I would do stupid shit like that, you know, cross check a guy in the face. Like I'll, I'll take my five games and, you know, everyone's going to hear about it. And, you know, maybe that, you know, that weeds some guys out. Exactly. That's people don't understand that intimidation. It's not a stat. You can't measure it. So when guys hear, hear, uh, hear shit like that, you know, Oh fuck. Did you hear, you know, DeGurse just, you know, fucking baseball swung the journey across the head or cross check this guy in the face. They're not going to fuck with you the next game and they're not going to fuck with your team the next game. And that, that plays a huge factor in the game of hot. Well, it did. It doesn't anymore because it's just out of the game. It doesn't. But no, it played right. a huge factor in how the game was you know, back then. And and just, you know, for the record, I doubt that scared Bajorni because that guy is one bad mother. <laughs> He's a fucking nut But case. I guarantee you it scared the other 16 guys on his team. Exactly. And that's what it was. And you opened up ice for your teammates and allowed them to play their game by taking that suspension. And people don't understand why some people take suspensions like that. Well, it just allowed my guys, that's a, or your, well, I shouldn't say my guys. That's kind guys. of a mixed, uh, yeah, that's kind of a mix. There's a mix, mix of uh, philosophies on that whole aspect. You know, there's the honest-to-goodness tough guy who's, you know, like a John Morasti man. But I wasn't that guy. You know, I wasn't scary tough like these guys. I would fight when I could, fight when I wanted to. And I needed that space, so, you know, I'll two-hand a guy or, you know, there was a guy in Columbus, Jerome Bouchard. Like, I fucking hated that guy. I, I wanted to hurt him. You know, you couldn't scare him. He was a warrior. But, uh, you know, I would do crazy shit. Like, I remember one time we were in a fight in a line brawl, and I got on top of him, and, you know, I'm really not ashamed to say this, but, you know, I was twisting this. I was trying to break his freaking fingers, man. Yeah. That's how much I hated this guy, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to hurt him. Um, but a guy like Doug Mann, who's on the same team, who's, you know, he'll knuckle up any time. Like, I would never do that to a guy like that. Right. Um, but a guy like a Peter Zerba, uh, like, I wanted to kill that guy, too. Like, he was another guy. Like, I, t- I took multiple games for two-handing him. <laughs> but uh, it's funny because uh, – like Jerome Bouchard, he's he's Columbus. He played a bunch of years there and coached there. And uh, I run into him now all the time in Huntsville, and 
it turns out he's a pretty good dude, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we kind of talked about it, talked about it, you know, later and, uh, and uh, all the battles we've been through and, you know, he played in Columbus forever. I played in Huntsville forever. I freaking fought every guy Columbus ever brought in for 10 years. Shit. Even when I was 30 and they were bringing in 21 year olds, I was still doing it. Right. Well, it's you know, it's all it's water under the bridge. By the time you guys retire, you know it's it's just yeah. I kind of like them. I kind of like them. Same with Peter Zerba. Like uh, we we have a, a charity game we do here in Huntsville, and uh, Zerbs is a is a part of it because he played in Huntsville at one time as well. And uh, he's a pretty good guy. He's, you know, it's, I guess you know the old adage: you love him if he's on your team, and if you he's, hate not, him when he's not, you don't. Right? Yep. When you hate exactly. <laughs> um. So another guy I wanted to ask you about um, on this 98 to 99 season was, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's the brother of uh, the late Sasha Lakovic, uh, Greg Lakovic. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Greg and Sasha were brothers. Yep. Um, that, that guy was awesome. Yeah. Greg was an absolute beauty, pretty good hockey player, right? Um, tough as nails, fought everybody. Uh, really enjoyed playing with him. Uh, I, I thought we're friends on social media as well. And, and uh, I see him, you know, see him on there all the time, posting stuff. And, you know, looks like he's got a good family. He's living up somewhere in uh, Vancouver. Or, no, I think maybe in Kelowna. Oh, okay. But he had some good fights. I watched him. Uh, fought everybody in the league, anybody who wanted to. And, you know, back in those days, you had to – be able to play you only carry a 16 or 17 man roster right so you had to be able to you know you had to be able to carry a regular shift and uh yeah you, you know bring that you kind of be a liability so i think that year we had me uh greg lakovic and ken richardson was another yep, tough that guy was the next guy i was gonna ask you about <laughs> yeah, yeah so richie was uh Richie and Lack were good buddies. They, you know, they were gym guys working out all the time. I was maybe not working out so much, but <laughs> just gassing beers and driving dirt bikes on Daytona, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll save that uh, that part for when you ask me at the end of the uh, podcast if I have any regrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you already know what's coming for you at the end there. <laughs> yeah, right. That's oh what, shit! You listen to it. No, but Richie, Richie, Lack, and me like. We won the championship that year in the Central Hockey League. Um, oh, you got your ring. Got my ring. Got my first ring. I ended up winning four. Yeah, but, look at uh, that. We got, that was not my a bit, first one. They say on spit and chicklets, not a big deal. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that was the first one. And, I mean, you had, like, like Ren, Renard played in Macon, right? Yes. So we played the, them all the, the time. Well, he had to come and play. No, it was the Macon Yeah, and he was kind of by himself out there for for a while. Yeah, he led the team in PIMS that year. Because he was, he was literally so, just him. <laughs> so what is he going to do when you got three guys on one team that are ready like right. to do it? There's only so that, much he can that do. Was, that's kind of when you start wondering like if that's worth whatever it is they were paying him there. Yeah. But man, Rennie, is that really worth it? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You got to go up there and come against Huntsville, and there's there's fucking Greg Lakovic. Uh, I think I fought him once that year, and Greg fought him a couple times, and I don't know if Richie fought him or not, but. What was uh? What was it like Rennie fighting Renard? Play, man. What was that? What was it like fighting Renard? Uh, it was a shitty fight. Oh, really? It really was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was terrible. 
<laughs> it was one of those scrums and the gloves came off and, you know, a couple punches thrown, uh, referees in there. And then, you know, it wasn't very good. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a tough dude. He oh, can yeah. play. Like, I don't know if you know that. Uh, I remember in, in, uh, in Laval, I got there before I was there from the start. So he came in a little bit later and it was his first game, his first freaking shift. And I think we were playing Verdun which means the, the arena is absolutely freaking packed. Oh, yeah. Sold Just packed to the gills for that shit. <laughs> and he, throw, he pieces together like fucking five or six crazy body checks in a row. And after each body check, the entire crowd gets just a little bit louder. And, by, you know, by about the fifth body check, the roof's about to blow off. Right. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, Reddy. Welcome to the freaking Quebec League, buddy. Yeah, welcome to the shit show, man. <laughs> Yeah, fucking yeah. He he. If I remember right, he he talked about that in the first uh, well the the episode. And for those out there listening, uh, I have an episode. Jason Renardi was the very first guest I had. I believe that's episode number three. Uh, yeah, well, it would be t- I think technically four, not including the or including the introduction. But yeah, go check that out. Renny's a fucking beauty. Um, and the thing I liked about Renard too, man, is he just didn't give a fuck. Like if you guys, if you went down, he was still fucking throwing them while you were down. He just didn't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was uh, definitely one of those guys, you know. He was uh, he was a gamer. He's he's a big dude, big strong, skates well, hits like a truck, and fight anytime. Uh, any, anybody, definitely uh, definitely fun to watch. <laughs> um, so well, after well, you you finish off the uh, ninety nine to two thousand season in Topeka, and you have a cup of coffee there with the Scarecrows. Uh, how did how do you get did you get traded or did you request a trade? Got or traded. What happened? Oh, okay. Yeah, I got traded. Um, my best friend uh, was the captain of in Huntsville, John Gibson, mm-hmm. and Pat Bingham, the coach at the time, was looking to make a move for playoffs, which blows my mind because we won the year before. Um, Chris Stewart, who was our coach the year before, left and he went to San Antonio. So I think Pat first inherited a freaking championship team and managed to fuck it away by the end of the season with trades and moving and changing shit. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah, it was, I remember, uh, Chris Stewart, who he was one of the best coaches I've ever had. You know, he was top of the list. He ended up coaching in San Antonio and Colorado with the, uh, the team out there, the Eagles. Um, and I think he's in management now with, uh, with the American league team there. But he was a straight up, came from the dub, straight up dude. Tell you, you know, my numbers went down that year, but it was, you know, he spread everything out and did what it took to win a championship. He was probably one of the main reasons pulling all that together where we won. You know, so the next year, um, I don't know if Pat wanted to, what his, you know, his deal was. He wanted to make some changes, but uh, I remember Stewie called me one night. Uh, near the end of the year, and he said, hey, Goose, I just traded for you. Pack your bag. You're coming to San Antonio. <laughs> you and Gibson. I was like, oh, sweet. Freaking, you know, I'm going to San Antonio, which ain't a bad place to be, and uh, going with my best buddy. Hey, pack our bags. So I went over to talk to my buddy. His, his apartment was in the same complex. Hey, Gibby, pack your bags. We're, we're going to San Antonio. And, it, you know, he had a little bit more ties to the community here in Huntsville at that point than I did, and he was pissed. Oh, really? I was like, oh, that's yeah, I was like, that's not the reaction I was looking for. <laughs> right. You know, I thought it was like, let's go. You know what I mean? So 
we went into Bingham's office the next day, uh, you know, marched into his office, I guess you could say. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, hey, did you, you know, heard you traded us. Where are we going? And uh, he, he was all surprised and uh, said, that's not true. Where did you hear that? I didn't trade you. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm thinking, I don't believe it, this guy. Like, Chris Stewart is not a liar. You know what I'm saying? He said we were traded. Maybe the, something fell through. So Pat said, yo, you're not traded. I'm not trading you guys. You guys aren't going nowhere. And I was like, oh, okay, well, bummer. You know, at that point, I'd already kind of moved on mentally. And then a week later, we got traded to Topeka. <laughs> I was like, fucking <laughs> asshole. Why didn't you stay out of there? We would have been in San Antonio right now if it wasn't for you. Right. Uh, <laughs> you could have just fucking got the hell out of Dodge while you could. Yeah, so... I was like, all right. So we packed our bags and we ended up flying to San Antonio, met the team there. Um, and you know what? The Topeka was great. Like, I didn't know it was going to be great, but it was a great bunch of guys and a great uh, organization. And, a, you know, Paul Kelly was a great coach there. Uh, I got to meet Gary Coupel for the first time, and that was a trip. Uh, what a, what a uh, good guy he was. He was surprising. You know, I've heard, always heard those stories, you know, growing up. He's kicked out of the East Coast League. Right. Kicked out of the OHL. And, you know, I met him. He was, kind of, you know, kind of a down-to-earth guy, a little little eccentric a little bit. But probably not the one of those guys you want to, you know, he wasn't afraid to take a, never mind a five-game suspension. That guy take a lifer. <laughs> yeah, well, he took two of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we, we went out and had some beers one night and, uh, and, uh, I don't know if I should be telling him, but uh, we, he was a golfer, right? And we started talking golf and we're in his apartment. It's like a third story apartment in Topeka. And he was talking about a swing and, you know, just calling a little bullshit. You know, everyone's got their golf stories and uh, fuck, he teed a couple off uh, right out of his living room. Right out the back window. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. And I was like, yeah, okay. I guess you can hit it about uh, 350 yards. Hey, you Why don't just... you put that club down there, buddy? <laughs> just went fucking yard in your living room. <laughs> Oh, yeah. fuck. that's great. <laughs> Shit, man. Well, after Topeka, you end up in the, uh, well, I've heard stories of this league from what I've heard, and I the footage in this league is limited, unfortunately, but the crazy WPHL, what was it like, and how did you end up there? Oh, uh, that was one of the best hockey teams I ever played on. It was awesome. With the, um, the Mudbugs, what a team name at that. Freeport Mudbugs, yeah. <laughs> yep. That was the, that is by far one of the best organizations um, in hockey, period. I don't care what – insert league now. I think they got a team in the North American Hockey League right now. And uh, a lot of guys that are involved in that were players and coaches when I played. Um, but it was – you know, there is no footage with that. And I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because there was a lot of characters in that league. Oh, yeah. One of them I'm really disappointed of is Screwy St. Louis, who's in the group, too. And he, there's no footage of him, hardly. And he had, like, 70-something fucking fights. I know. It's, it's super disappointing. But So, what a lot of guys um, that maybe not know about, uh, that didn't play, what they didn't realize is, so there was rules in all these leagues, right? Uh, veteran rules. So if you played over 250 games, then you were considered a, a veteran. Uh, th- like This is like the Central League. Right. So you were considered a veteran, and that meant you could only have three or four veterans per team. So once you hit your 250 games, it's like, all right, well, what do I do now? 
Well, the WPHL had a rookie rule. There was no veteran rule. There so you, go. <laughs> you had to have three rookies, which is usually your backup goalie and two guys that don't play. <laughs> and then everybody else. You just stack the fucking teams, man. You could stack. Yeah, just, you know, salary cap back then was a guideline. Um, teams were cheating <laughs> left and right. Uh, you know, and the, the veteran rule was ownership uh, ownership in that league's uh, attempt to keep uh, payroll down. Because usually as you played a couple of years and became a fan favorite, you, you know, guys would want more money. Right. Um, they lost a lot of players. And I think uh, that was one of the things that kind of minor leagues kind of digressed over the years. I think one of the things that they lost when they put rules like that in place is um, I think the community lost their their – you know, a lot of guys would, you know, be involved in the community and make friends in, in the cities that they played in. Exactly. Uh, a lot of guys stayed in the South. So once you started running those guys out of town, uh, a lot of people, you know, lost interest. They didn't necessarily go to the Huntsville Channel Cats hockey game to see the Channel Cats. They like to see Phil Daggle and John Gibson and Jonathan Dubois because, you know, they were friends with them. Right. And, uh, you know, when those guys hit their 250 games, well, you know, you got to pack your bags and find somewhere else to go. And for me, that ended up being Treeport. Tom Moulton was uh, actually working in the front office there. And Scott Musket, who was the coach, uh, my dad coached him in junior. So he was from my neck of the woods back home. Um, but I can't say enough good things about Shreveport. That was just an absolute – we won the championship there in the Whipple that year too. So that was my second ring. That's fucking great, man. Um, what a what a what a fucking feeling that's got to be to win in any league, of course, but just win a championship, especially in like one of those leagues because it's a fucking grind all season in those old minor pro leagues, man. So that's got to be I mean, you got four of them too. So what an accolade that is on super, your on your shit. <laughs> super grind. Uh, you know, you had to go seven game series. Nowadays, these leagues, you know, first first second rounds are like two out of threes or. You know, one-game playoff series, a one-game's not a playoff. You know, how do you tell who the better team is in one game? A seven-game right. series will always sort it out, always. Uh, but uh, that was a long uh, season. I played with um, a couple of good tough guys there in Shreveport. Who, you know, I think I led the team in PIMS, but, you know, Jim Sprott, like, he was – Super duper tough dude. He fought freaking everybody, man. Yep, that's what I was him and Rennie had too. a couple good ones. Jeff Broder. Him and Rennie had a couple good ones. Um, Renard, Renard was in uh, Monroe that year, so I think uh, every time Shreveport played Monroe, it's usually a good punch up. I had uh, Kobe Van Tassel was my guy. I fought him every time, or Bob Brandon, another guy that I fought every time. But uh, <laughs> Sprotter would be stuck with uh, Carlin Nordstrom was big tough Indian and uh and Rennie as well so they had a couple good tilts too <laughs> um Trevor Buchanan was another guy on that team he was a smaller guy but um shit man that guy I think he put up some crazy minutes in the in the east coast league and, oh really and he was one of those guys you just leave him alone or else you freaking <laughs> you know he's he's a tough customer you just don't go fucking near him don't poke the bear <laughs> yeah he was my line mate it was me him and Jason Campbell nice so, well, I got to ask, before we leave the WPHL, was there any, what was probably the craziest shit you saw in that league? Because I've heard of some some insane shit happening, like in the penalty box or whether it be with fans. Was there any, was there anything that sticks out in your mind that, you know, you're just like, holy fuck, I can't believe this happened at a fucking hockey game? 
Um, you know what? In Shreveport, it was all pretty honest. You know, you had tough, like the tough guys in that league. You, Corpus had, you know, Jeff Bumstead and Brad Wingfield. And I mean, those guys were, you know, super tough. Um, uh, Fort Worth had uh, Chad Cabana, who was a freaking nut job. He was always ready to go. I fought him. Um, Jason Clark, I think. Uh, Tupelo had a... <sighs> I forget the guy. They had a couple guys there. Austin had uh, Josh Mazur. I fought him a couple times. Oh, what was it like fighting Mazur? It was good. He was a young kid. You know, I think I was like 25 or 26 at that time, and he was coming right out of junior, and he wanted to fight everybody every game, and hats off to a guy that wants to do that. So anytime he asked, I I obliged, you know. At this point in my career, you know, I wasn't scoring freaking 38 goals anymore. So, <laughs> in that case, when someone asked to go, you, yeah, yeah. Well, you had you had 29. You had, or well, excuse me, 29 points and 20 goals. So, <laughs> oh, 20 goals, yeah. Well, yeah. still. Fucking uh, Mazer, he was uh, he was actually the very first guest on the Fourth Line Voice podcast. So that was awesome. I had never even heard of yeah, Mazer he- until then. Oh, he fought. He fought every tough guy on my team. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, fought, I, think, uh, what was, I think he fought Eric Goddard like eleven fucking times. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a, definitely a gamer. So, after uh, after the uh, the Whipple, you uh, end up in the Ontario. Uh, was it the Hockey Association? How did that happen? Well, I went to Corpus uh, after Shreveport. Oh, okay. So you went, uh, okay? So the the way Hockey DB has it, you went to the Ontario League then. Then to Corpus, but uh, you must have went to Corpus first. Yeah, I went to Corpus. We had a super slow start. Um, ended up getting traded to El Paso eight games or ten games into the season. And uh, going from Corpus to El Paso is not something I was interested in. Um, <laughs> I thought maybe it was time then to just hang up the skates, right? So I packed my shit and... Uh, I was like, it's time to go back to school and finish and move on with my life. And so I quit, went home and, uh, played, played senior hockey back home for the rest of the year. I think I played 10 games there or something like that. Yeah. You only played 12. It looks like you managed to put 11 points up and oh, you almost had a point per game, eh? <laughs> no, there we go. Yeah. That's nice. Well, you know, you thought about hanging them up, but somehow, some way, you got talked into going to the fucking Quebec Senior Professional Hockey League, baby. How did this shit happen? Holy shit, man. So so when I quit and left Corpus, this guy was call, calls me, you know, a couple times that year. And I just rolled back into school, right? So I'm like, fuck, I just spent a bunch of money going back to school. I'm not going to about. So... I just told him, hey, buddy, listen, I'm, I'm done. I'm not playing. Um, I have no interest in – I didn't know what the Quebec League was. And and he left me alone that year. So that was the end of that, I thought. And then that summer, he starts getting in touch with me again. Hey, I know you said you didn't want to play last year, but, you know, school's over. Why don't you come to Laval? I'm like, well, what – you know, what what do you guys got going on up there? <laughs> He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you X amount of dollars and you drive up to Lavelle and if you don't like it, take my money and go home. I'll show you around. 
and now, free trip you, to Montreal. Were you pre-warned about anything? Were you like, hey, this this league might no be clue. a little bit different? <laughs> oh, just fucking no clue. just threw you to the wolves. No clue. <laughs> None, because you have to understand, this league was underground for the three years before that, and the year I played on it, it was just starting to come out. You right. know, I don't think that movie, that year I played there is the next year, I think, that Lay Chiefs is, uh, came out, the documentary on the league. Yep. So, there, you know, and back then it wasn't like you just freaking pull up your internet. And I, most yeah, of there was, there was none of this met. shit. Right. Zero. So I was like, all right, well, I'll take a ride. It was a 12-hour drive to Laval or whatever it was from where I live in Ontario. And at worst, I'm leaving with a pocket full of cash, you know. I'll do it. Well, I went up there and I was like, fuck, this doesn't look too bad. You know, and he told me the guys that were on the coming that year and I knew – half of them right i was like oh that guy's going there and that guy and i still hadn't didn't really piece it together i'm like oh that's a pretty tough hockey team <laughs> you didn't quite put two and two together what this league was all about yeah long story short uh on how i got there is so it's just like well screw it what do i got to lose so i um enrolled into university at uh, concordia there in montreal and uh just transferred my shit over there and signed a three-year deal with the chiefs <laughs> now the first game you play. Well, before we go over your your actual playing time, I want I want people to hear this fucking roster of just animals that you guys had over there in Laval. You had Rabby, Rosanzoff, Jolly, Tobin, Kopech, <laughs> Craig Martin, Bajerni, Renard, Patrick Cote. Jesus Christ! <laughs> like Craig Martin, yeah. I uh, couldn't David imagine. David Dark could throw him. Yeah. Shane Kenny was a tough guy. And it's funny because Louis Bedard even, even was there Shane, for the first bit. Yep, Louis Bedard, and it's funny because even though they're on the roster, like their pims are dwarfed compared to everybody else. Well, it's pretty spread loaded between the pims because there was just so many of you guys. I don't think anybody could just have just one. <laughs> that's that's exactly why. When you know, if you weren't playing a Saint Jean or a Verdun, then you know there was two guys on the other team. Like a, you play a Saguenay, or they got. You know, maybe Mario Roberge and someone else, and that was, you know, that, that was all they had. But yeah. you play Verdun, and holy shit, man, it's, wow, I, I just can't even explain it. Like, you had to be there for it, man. I wish I could have seen it live, but your first game that you ever played there, was it just an absolute fucking gong show, and you were kind of like, what the fuck did I just get myself so into? So, still clueless, right? Still clueless. Right. So we're riding, it's preseason, we're going to St. John. And St. John has, like, uh, like May Rand. Stephen McIntyre was there at that oh, time. Yeah. Uh, you could just go on. Uh, Danik Lassard, um, Ronnie Valente. Uh, I don't know, just a whole bunch of tough guys. So I don't know that. Like, like I said, it's not like you had the hockey DB back then. And if you did, I didn't know about it. So I'm riding in the car. It's me, uh, Jesse Rosanzoff. Dan Kopech, who's a super tough guy, um, and, and Louis Bedard is driving because he's, he's French and he knows his way around. <laughs> so Louis talking to us, uh, hey, uh, you know, you guys know what's going on. Uh, you know, and we get to the rink for warm, you know, an hour or two hours before warm up, and the parking lot's packed. I'm like, what, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, they're here for the game. I go, it's the parking lot's packed. It's like five o'clock and it's packed for the game. He goes, Oh yeah, this is going to be crazy. I'm like, you know, I feel like I've been around a little bit. Like how crazy could it be? 
He goes, oh, you see, and, uh, you know, uh, apparently they put in the newspaper, they had, uh, uh, there was a bunch of those guys that were in really good shape. Like, I think Valente was a bodybuilder, and he was all jacked up, and maybe Lassard and... It was, I know I know exactly what you're talking about, because I posted that picture. Somebody had it. It was Mayrand, Lassard, Valente, um, McIntyre, and I think Kevin Holiday was in there as well. So they so they got those guys in the paper with their shirts off, yep. like just pumped, <laughs> just and like... saying the Chiefs are coming to town, right? <laughs> yep. So, but I didn't know any of that. I'm just kind of listening to Louie, and then you know, so we get out there for a warm up, and it's an absolute zoo and warm up. <laughs> it's packed. Everyone's. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And then the game starts. Well, every time the puck drops for the first five drops, there's a fight. <laughs> And I'm like, holy shit. You know, I'm playing with all these tough guys. Welcome to the fucking Thunderdome. Right. So everyone's dropping them. Um, You know, tilt after tilt. I'm like, holy shit. What's going on? (laughs) What am I got myself into? Um, But it was paying well. And, you know, it was like, uh, I kind of like, I watched that movie uh, Gladiator. And you know when the you know the first uh, scene where all the gladiators are like, kind of like this is how it was for the new guys. Like holy shit, you know they're pissing their pants, and then right. you know they go up there and they have that big battle. And you know by the end of the you know two scenes later, they're licking the blood off the swords. Exactly. That's kind of how it was for me. So the first game, I was like, what the crap? Like I'm not ready for this. And you know by mid season, I'm licking the blood off my knuckles. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. I think I fought. Uh, Danic Lassard that night. Um, I know he's one of those guys. I think he's pushing for 500 fights or something like that. He is. He just he just got back into the LNH with um, I think there's the the Marquise. I think um, I don't know. I forget the city they're from. I can't pronounce all this fucking French shit. I didn't take French class in high yeah. school. But yeah, he's well, he's uh, trying coming back to try to fi- uh, get 500 fights. Him and McMorrow. <laughs> I was probably uh, somewhere in between 100 and 200 fights. Right. We dropped him. Uh, he asked me to go and. You know, I was like, all right, let's go. And we dropped the gloves and, you know, started going toe-to-toe. And I caught him with one, and uh, he he kind of buckled a bit and went down to his knees. And I thought the fight was over. You know, like I said, I wasn't familiar with the league yet. You know, the linesmen and referees, they don't fucking get in there. Yeah. <laughs> so I caught him with one, and he went down. And I turned around like it was over. And he could have got back up and smoked me, but right. he didn't. He, he kind of knew what I was doing. And, you know, even though it might have been a little bit not, it didn't go well for him, but he could have freaking smoked me and he didn't. So I, you know, I got a lot of respect for him for doing that. Um, and then later after, you know, a little later in the year, I realized, all right, the refs aren't coming in. Like it's, you better keep going. Um, Actually, there was a cute little guy. Uh, I think his name was Frischette. Taught me that the hard way. Yep, I was. I watched uh, I chased that fight, him. Uh, I think yesterday. Fuck, man! <laughs> I chased him around the ice. You know, backstory to that fight. Um, I was out all night the night before in Montreal, and me and a couple other players probably stayed out way later than we should have. And it was an afternoon game, and I, I think I ran into Lassard that night at the club. He was, runs one of the clubs down there. And, you know, I told him, "Hey, thank you for." not smoking me when you could have, you know, kind of appreciate that. 
but we were out way late, maybe even early. And then I thought, oh shit, I feel like shit. I'm going to go out here and, and drop him right away. And I knew Frechette was a gamer. And I chased him around, said, let's go, let's go. He didn't really want to fight. Finally, he's like, fucking dropped him, you know, and uh, <laughs> and then dropped me. <laughs> <laughs> so he caught me with a – like, I, I started out, you know, pistons going, and then, uh, you know, he got me. My arm got caught in my shirt, and he pulled me down, and I thought it was over. You know, I should have known better at this point in the league. And the ref didn't come in, and – fuck man he spanked me a couple more times just for good measure like good on him you know i deserved it right <laughs> oh man you you fought some fucking animals in that league man i think you did you did you ever fight rabbi as well i thought you did no rabbi was on my team rabbi was on my oh, team oh maybe it was, a, was uh, a... fuck i can't i can't keep track of all these damn french names man and all that and i'm fucking I'm a few beers deep at this point <laughs> Well, that makes two of us yeah exactly <laughs> um but you did happen to fight uh Ron Valencia. I know we talked uh, a little bit prior. Uh, you actually ended up trying to throw your helmet at him. How did that happen? Yeah, I took a suspension on him. Uh, that was just one of those guys, you know, we talked earlier about not being afraid to take a suspension. Right. Uh, he was one of those guys. I just, I don't know if showboat's the word. The league was a little bit different back then. Um, and the the uh, Ontario and Western guys were pretty like that's the way it was as you dropped the gloves and fought and you went to the box right right and the cool some of the Quebec guys at that time were showboating and and you know um, like uh, Joel Terrio he never used to do that earlier in the year he just, he just fought everybody oh I love Terrio you know he was a he's a beast right and he would fight everybody and go you know go to the box a little bit later in his career. In, in everyone's career, the, the league kind of evolved to a little bit of a, you know, WWE where everybody was doing dances and right. and putting their hands in the air. But it, back then, it really wasn't much like that. So I'd never seen that before. And Valente did that to me. We I fought him, and uh, he did some kind of, I don't know, fucking dance or whatever. And I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know, I was pissed. Right. He's so pissed the next time we got on the ice, you know, next time we got on the ice, uh, um, I went right after him, and, and he dropped the gloves. And uh, I don't know why I did, I did it, but I took my helmet off and and you know coughed it back like I was going to whack him over the head with it. And then before I made contact, I I dropped it and punched him in the head. But um, just we had a decent, it was an okay fight. But I just you know it was just I didn't feel like the respect level was there. Right, totally understand, and. Well, at least you didn't actually end up throwing the uh, throwing your helmet or you know hitting him, hitting him upside the head with it. But yeah, I'm surprised I didn't because I was, you know, I got a switch just like a lot of these other guys do, and um, you know, a lot of people don't understand. Sometimes in these fights, like a lot of times, guys aren't mad. You know, it's like a chess game, or you know, they're going through it and they're prepared and they can take the hits, and right. you know, they're trying to give them, and you know, especially but, in that league too. You can see a spirited fight when someone's really pissed, and you can know when a guy's throwing, you know, to try to, to try to end it. Right. Well, <laughs> the the league itself, like we had talked about before, I know it gets looked down upon or looked down upon uh, by you know the hockey purists out there, but there was actually a lot of fucking talent in that league. I don't understand. Like, so the guys that I don't even know how it could be looked down upon because it is. 
a great, it, you know, I don't, I haven't been or seen anything about it in years, but when I played in that league, the, the talent level in that league was East coast style. Right. I mean, my team alone was all old American, I American league, IHL, NHL. I mean, we had Bobby Dallas was on our team. He wasn't that far removed from the NHL. Mike Majo, guy played for the, you know, uh, St. Louis, I think. And, um, Denny Shalafu, American League captain, like it was, it was great hockey. But the thing with the um, Quebec League is you had a deep roster, right? So it wasn't like the the pros in the states where you had your seventeen man roster and you need to be able to play. They had uh, you know four solid lines in seven D, and you know you could have a line that maybe didn't play that much if ever, or three D the guys that could just you know, fight and you had it. The best thing that ever happened to me in the, in the Quebec league is I was a, <laughs> the coach put me as a centerman. Right. <laughs> so most of the fights would, uh, would, would start off on the wing. So I was like, well, fuck, you know, everyone's dropping the gloves off the draw. Right. It's not the game. It's not like someone gets pissed off at someone and they fight during the play, which it happens sometimes, but not the majority of the time. Majority of the time, it was off the face-off. They dropped the gloves. Right. Well, I was playing center, so my left wing was Chad Richard, who is a six foot six, fucking lumberjack from Anchorage, Alaska, <laughs> and I think my right winger was uh, um, Mike Bajerni, who's one of the toughest guys I've ever met. And then I'm at center, so you know I'm I'm good unless I get thrown out of the face-off. Right, and that's what happened to me one night. Right. So we're playing uh, Verdun, and I, I'm trying to win a face-off, and I get thrown out of the draw. Well, fuck, man, I get thrown out of the draw, and there's the, you know, I'm a left winger, so Chad comes in to take the draw. Well, there's, uh, I think his name was Charette, so he was just a fighter. He's waiting for me. He's like, well, I guess it's you now. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. My face-off percentage went down after that. I'm like, I'll never get thrown out of the draw again. I don't right. need this shit. <laughs> Oh fuck yeah! Well, there goes your stats, man. Oh, <laughs> that's fucking great. Um, but yeah, man, with that with that league, it's just I, I laugh at everyone. The, the I think the biggest, or well, I shouldn't say the biggest, the stupidest comments I see about it is they call it like a pussy or a retard league or whatever. I'm like, you, the 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 people who say that shit wouldn't last a fucking the fucking pregame warm up back then, you know. Um, well, we we had I think we had a couple warm up brawls that year. We had oh, a bench yeah. brawl with Verdun. We had a bench brawl with uh, Saint Jean. Um, That's why the parking lot. was I remember when Saint John. Saint exactly. You better be there for warm up. We Saint John brought in uh, Sasha Lakovic. Um, you know, in, in you know twenty games into the year, right? And right. Uh, I heard somewhere I don't know where that they gave Sasha extra money to. And I don't know if this is true to shadow box uh, during warm up up and down the red line. Well, oh, I've heard I don't this, know I've heard this too. Get, <laughs> so I don't know if it's true whether they paid him to do it, but I do know that I was there and he did it. And that pissed Pat Cote off like nobody's business. So he fucking Pat goes squealing over there, and we almost brawl in warm up. And when you got twenty heavyweights on the ice that are are ready to explode and cooler heads prevail and they say let's wait for the game because they know it's a show and they know not everybody's in their seats yet then you know holy crap you know <laughs> they wouldn't do it we wouldn't do it we separated and then when the game started and the 
fucking buzz was in the crowd and everybody was going crazy. It was a I think that's the night I fought Valente twice. Right. And Pat fought uh Pat fought Sasha. It was a good fight. Um I think there was about 10 or 15 fights that game. Alone. Holy shit, that's ridiculous, yep. man. I couldn't even yeah, fucking imagine. It was the longest it was long two fights and you're out, so <laughs> I was out. Me and Valente were up by the second period. <laughs> there you go. It's funny because people don't realize there was even a fight limit in that league, even though as, mu- yeah, as many fights. fights as they had. Right. And the other beauty about that league is Molson X used to sponsor it. So whether you were home or the road, they had they had 48 beers waiting for you in the locker room. <laughs> just, that's great, man. Just getting a, yeah. getting a couple of tilts and just go fucking diesel some, be- just, some beers. Yeah, that means you got first dibs on it, right? Yeah, exactly. You got the cold ones. <laughs> oh shit well the last thing i want to talk about before we leave the uh the the infamous quebec league because i, well, I could talk about this fucking league all day man i love the quebec league um but you got to see the crazy pat cote versus link gates fight what was that what like I, seeing that shit i mean that i got goosebumps just uh thinking about that being on the ice right there when that's happening front row seat I watched it on YouTube and it doesn't really do the whole thing justice because it doesn't bring the whole atmosphere aspect into it. Right. But when that fight was going on and that was happening, it was probably one of the craziest moments that I've ever been involved in fight wise watching that tilt. Um, They were going back and forth, toe to toe, up and down. Just Pat fight, like watching Pat's fights alone, like that dude was, next level scary there's like three guys ever that kind of scared me in hockey and pat's one of them and he was on my fucking team um (laughs) that's good at least right like him and uh brett uh sugden they had two really good fights too that were super long super long i don't know if the fight fans check out you know pat cote and and brandon sugden uh those guys had some really good kills yeah, him and Pat and Sugar was coming out of retirement. I think he got kicked out of the East Coast League and he didn't play for a year. And then he came in, showed up there, and you know, welcome to the league. Pat Cote sitting there waiting for you, and, and they go toe to toe twice. Jesus Christ! Like one time, I think they took a little rest in between throwing them, and then kept going again because nobody was getting <laughs> in there. Take a break. <laughs> um, did you ever did you ever have any run-ins with Link Gates by any chance before? I, I sorry, I do you know. So I, I, I said there shit. was three players, right? Yeah, I told you there's three players that scare me, and he's the other one. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, I was on the ice with him twice, and you know that goes back to where I was a centerman, and there was no fucking way I was getting thrown out of that face off because <laughs> I needed to stay right there in the middle. I did not want that man getting his hands on me. That guy is an absolute next level beast. Oh, beast. Just all we the were playing, uh, around think, him too. Dude, it's it's, it's it's unbelievable. We were playing him. We were playing him in Saginaw. I think he was there. He was somewhere in the east. Yeah, for like the and pair, he would get like two shifts a game, and he would fight twice. Yeah, he was. I think I think it was in Saginaw, and he took off his skates, went to the uh, hot dog stand, bought two hot dogs and a beer, came back and ate them, put his skates back on, and then went out and fought. <laughs> Oh fuck! That's just a cla- like classic Link Gates story. Like 
like any like any other player that would surprise you, but because it's Link Gates, it doesn't surprise you at all because it's just like oh, it's, it's there's Link being typical Link again. <laughs> he got a hold of Louis Bedard that year, and he cut him open pretty bad. There's blood was squirting out of his head. And, you know, Louis, Louis was uh, he fight anybody, anytime, anywhere. And I think he went back after and fought him again. But I don't know. Like Link is one of those guys you get punched in the face, and it just really doesn't seem to bother him. Right. Uh, not the kind of guy that I want to freaking tangle with. And the only other guy that scared me was uh, um, Mark LaForge. Oh, okay. I would have guessed Terrio because I've heard Terrio was kind of a madman. No, nah, not re- You know, he was a pretty honest player when we played against him. He'd fight who we needed to fight. Um, and he would fight you. Like, you know, he was an honest player. Mark LaForge would cross-check you in the face and knock your teeth out. He might fight you, and he might just freaking poke you in the face with a stick. Those kind of guys are kind of scary, you know? Yeah, you never know what they're going to do next. Yeah, like even Link, you never know. He fights with his own team, and, he, you know, the stories. <laughs> He'll fight the fucking he, trainers. here, Right. Right. And Pat, like, he was just scary tough. You know, he was always good to me. I, I really liked him. Uh, he chewed Copenhagen. I chewed Copenhagen, so he was always good for that. But Oh, uh, I'm a grizzly guy myself. That's where we differ here. <laughs> we'll just end this podcast now. No. <laughs> no, no, I'm a grizzly guy now. You know, well, what, do you, what, what, now, what so. beer do you drink? Uh, Just Bud Light, man. Nothing oh, fancy. okay. Well, you know, I can't say. Oh, I drink Bush, so. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing oh, fancy. Shit. Um, but, uh, yeah, Pat was definitely uh, – Super super tough, man. Super tough. Uh, Joel was a very honest player. He's a he was a good defenseman. Like he could play the game. Yeah, he um, was in the AHL for a little bit for I think Hamilton. Yeah, like when when I when I played against him in Verdun, like he was one of their better D. Like he 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 wasn't just sitting on the bench waiting for his tap. Like that right. guy would play a regular shift, and he was a good player, and he was super tough. Oh yeah. Yep. To this day, my favorite fight or one of my favorite fights of all time is still the one of him and Morasti. And I've mentioned this before, but him and Morasti, like the end of their careers and they're just duking it out in the LNH. This was like, I think 20, like 13, 2014, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, the, how he did it so long. Oh God. I have no fucking clue, man. It's ridiculous to me to think about that shit. Um, I don't know. <laughs> so, well, after the crazy Quebec league, you end up back in, Huntsville, how did that happen with the Channel Cats? Well, um, so I signed a three-year deal in in, uh, in Laval. So I was expecting to be there for another two years and, you know, finish my degree there. And then my buddy, John Gibson, uh, he ended up getting the coaching job in Huntsville. Um, he actually came up to, to Laval a couple times and watched a few games. And one game I was suspended and, you know, we had some fun, but he got the coaching job and he's like, goose, uh, why don't you come back to Huntsville? And I was like, well, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to do another tour of the Quebec league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to reenlist for this shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I want to sign up for that again. It's like, you know, do you reenlist for, for Nam? <laughs> right. It'd be crazy. So, uh, so I went back down to Huntsville, um, you know, came back to the States. It's kind of where I wanted to be. Anyway, I, I like it down here, and I like the South, and, you know, Huntsville's always been a city that's been super-duper good to me, and, you know, like like I said, I played four years here in the Central League, so, every, you know, they were trying to restart the, the team after being on a hiatus for a couple of years, so right. I got to come back and be the face of the organization. <clears throat> My buddy was the coach. Um, 
you know, I was player assistant coach that year and, you know, got a bunch of young guys, uh, to, you know, kind of try to guide the young guys into, you know, try not try not to make all the same mistakes that I did. Right. Well, I mean, it paid off for you because you ended up actually having your number retired by Huntsville. What was what kind of feeling did you get when that happened, man? Um, definitely honored. You know, I was I spent another three years there when I went back. Yep. And you know, it's 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 definitely feels good to be appreciated by you know the ownership here. Uh, I'm still friends with them to this day. You know, me and my buddies, we got a suite. Uh, like Huntsville is like a hockey. They call it the hockey capital of the South. Like. It seats 6,800 in this arena here. And when you go to a game after football, college football is over, you're going to see 6,800 people in the stands. That's like, it's awesome. insane. Oh, yeah. People always say it's hockey is the South, professional but it does. Here, they got it, they got it down, man. It's, it's sold out. You can't – you know, after football season, if you don't have tickets, you're not going to a game. Right. Um, but uh, I played with some good dudes. Like, so I was a little older now. You know, now I'm – 28 or 29 and you know playing pro and you got all these 21 year old kids coming in so it was kind of fun to look at it from a kind of a different perspective yeah you're you're the veteran now i'm no fucking not even the veteran i'm the old guy (laughs) you know oh fuck grandpa needs his walker going out on the ice i guess (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I remember Gibby brought me back, right? And I said, all right, the first thing we're going to need here, like, so I'm player assistant. I said, the first thing we're going to need here is a tough guy because I ain't freaking doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so this kid comes into camp. He looks like a little uh, little hairy grizzly bear. Uh, and uh, he's full of piss and vinegar. Uh, Luke Phillips, he comes into camp. Yep, like, that's what uh, I was going to ask you about. <laughs> <laughs> he comes up to me. He skates up to me in, in freaking uh, warm-up. He, he wants to fight. I said, listen, kid, we're not going to fight. There's some games coming up, exhibition games. Um, you can do your thing there, but I like your style. And I called the trainer over. Uh, Chad Daniels, he's this big Indian guy from Saskatchewan. You know, Scott Daniels is his brother playing in the NHL. So I called Chad over. I said, uh, get this guy some gloves and a helmet. I think he's going to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Old Philly, you know, I didn't just a young kid, twenty, twenty-one or whatever, and he fought everybody, every game, anytime, any place. He wasn't a very big guy either, but you know, the league kind of didn't have any big guys at that time. There was, there was a uh, God, I can't remember the guy's name in Knoxville, Hanson, Jeff Hanson. He was about my size, and he wanted to fight uh, every game, and I was like, Fuck, I, you know, I just, you know, you're twenty-nine, thirty, I'm just really not. I just want to play, right? Right. Now I know how Craig's Cox felt when I was Yeah, he's 21. like, fuck so sake, man. Fucking, it goes full circle. It exactly. goes full circle. So this kid takes me around, and he deserves a chance. He's like, I, listen, we need to go. So I fought him probably three or four times in the next two years. He was tough. He was He was a tough kid. And I think I beat him the first three, and then my last year, fucking kick the shit out of me you know <laughs> like yeah it's time to freak yep, out it says, and we're done here <laughs> yeah yeah oh man well i remember when i got back from quebec uh so part of my style was to kind of wait it out and then come in and you know take a few and then you got to get back in well i was taking a few in the in the sphl 
And then when I was getting ready to jump back in for my turn, the rest were jumping in. I'm like, what, what are you guys doing? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, this isn't, this isn't Quebec where you're just fighting <laughs> to the finish. <laughs> it's, we're, not, we're not Thunderdome anymore. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Oh, fuck. Well, I mean, well, I'm glad they retired your number, man, because, you know, putting up that that amount of points and the amount of PIMs you had there, it's always good to see when hockey uh, teams and organizations will appreciate, you know, the tough guy and stuff like that, because you, you won't see that in the NHL. Like, I, I don't know. I still have no idea how the fuck Detroit hasn't retired uh, Proby's 24, but... I think we'll see that day. You know, I really do. But you know what? Like, um, so... You know, it comes down. You, you know, there's certain players you got to give back a little bit, right? So, you know, I was always involved in the community here at Huntsville, and you know, to this day, John Gibson, who's my best friend, um, we do a alumni game each year um, where we bring all our old friends in or guys we played with for the last, you know, freaking ten years, and uh, right. a lot of tough guys involved that come out. You know, uh, and we we raise money for autism, and I think in the last nine years we've raised uh, close to $400,000 for that cause. So, you know, we're super involved in the community here. You know, this is like my home now. And it was when I came back and I knew it was, I missed it. Um, when I was in Quebec, I missed being here. I missed the people here. I miss the city. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize, uh, you know, you think Alabama that, you know, there's got this kind of, uh, what people think of Alabama isn't really what it is. I mean, I live in it's Huntsville. It's just rednecks and beer. <laughs> I'll right. Say it. Yeah. And, it, and really it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a white collar community. Uh, we have, you know, all the biggest uh, department of defense um, companies here, you know, Lockheed Martin, who I work for, uh, Boeing, uh, you know, NASA, um, you know, if it has to do with Department of Defense or space, it's here in Huntsville, Alabama. This place is the best kept secret in this country. That's awesome, man. Absolutely awesome. And it's good that you found kind of your – well, not only that you found your niche in Huntsville kind of, you know, throughout your career, but you found, it, you found a new home. And it's something people don't realize that, you know, hockey in the South, it'll, it won't work. It doesn't work. It, it, it definitely works as long as the – the city embraces it and the, uh, the owners and everything are good. And it's good to see that, you know, Huntsville really embraces their hockey and everything like that. And it's good that yep. you yourself enjoyed playing there and you to this day enjoy staying there as, and making it your home. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of players that have the same story as I do. Um, you know, it's like insert city here and that's where they stay and that's where they make a home and a life. And yeah. it's really good. Like I, kind of on social media now and I'm, I'm a little bit bigger on it now and it's nice to see a lot of the old tough guys that kind of integrated into these new communities and they're doing a lot of good things because um, you hear a lot of sad stories right about players that have a tough time with the transition and, right. and struggle with you know maybe addiction or you know struggle with being punched in the head too many times and you know I'm not saying that's not a real thing because you know obviously I think it is um you know, anyone who's been in hundreds of fights knows that, you know, you start to feel the effects when you get a little older. But um, for me personally, I like to I like to see a lot of the guys like, you know, like Rennie, perfect example. I like to see these guys happy. Oh, yeah. I like to see them doing good, good things, <clears throat> good things with their life. Uh, Dan Kopech was another guy, you know, yep. 
that he's got a great business. Um, I think you had Frank Bialois on the on the show a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't know Frank personally, but you know you 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 see with uh, the the love that Philadelphia has for him and his concrete business, and he's talking about you know things are booming and working seven days a week. Uh, you know that's because that's the kind of person he is, and you know that's the kind of people that occupy these kind of roles in, in the sport that we have, right? Exactly. You know, I didn't, I was done hockey and I was 32 years old and I had a resume that was fucking laughable with work experience. And, you know, between 32 and, you know, now I work for one of the biggest defense contractors in the world. Um, and, you know, it wasn't college that showed me the way. It was hockey that showed me the way. You know, right. there were so many life lessons involved in the sport that translated to the work world that I didn't know I had. And I think a lot of guys that are struggling, they don't know that they have that in them. They just need to get out there and get that chance to do something. Right. Exactly, man. And that's, so I'm, 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 I couldn't even say it better myself. Well, I can't, I can't say it myself because I never played professional hockey. But it's good to see that because I, I see the same thing with guys I was in the military with. You know, a lot of us joined right, Very right when we similar. were 18. Exactly. We joined when we were 18. Fuck, my, my job experience by the time I got out of the military was landscaping and fucking Pizza Hut, man. And that's no joke. Literally, that was it. And now I'm a project manager for a construction company. So it's just, it, as long as you keep a good head on your shoulders and you realize everything that you learned, whatever job path you were in that might be hard, whether it's the military or hockey, whatever the case may be, you can always take stuff out, away from that and use it in... This, I, well, I say civilian world, but I guess it's a little bit different for hockey because you're still you're always a civilian. You know what I'm saying? But right, you can but always use that exactly. to your advantage. And it's there, and and the guys right. have these tools. And there's really nothing in place for the transition for for some of the guys that struggle with that transition in place for any kind of guidance to to tell them, hey, you have the tools to make it at this level and, and that level in the in the workforce. You just need a chance or you know, I, I think at some point in, uh, we're going to see maybe, you know, the NHL does a pretty good job of it, but there's really nothing there for the guys that, you know, minor league, career minor right. leaguers like myself. Um, other than, you know, what's been really, uh, really beneficial is just social media alone and guys networking that way. Um, that's why I think it's important for, you know, that guys like you do these kind of podcasts in order to get guys like us together and, you know, kind of network that way. Exactly, man, and that that was my my goal with the group when I made it was to you know connect with not only the tough guys but other fight fans because you know it's it's like an island now because fighting is so taboo these days, but there's a there, there's a general appreciation for the guys whether it doesn't get highlighted on social media obviously, but there is an appreciation for it and to see my favorite is actually you know not only is when players such as yourself and other tough guys interact with us fans. But when you just see tough guys interacting with other other guys that they played with, man, just telling stories and, you know, oh, remember <laughs> when my this favorite happened, part. remember that. It's fucking awesome. That is my favorite part. And there's so many stories that I had to bite my tongue on because, you know, stuff sticks around forever. Um, and so many good times and memories and so many, you know, lifelong friendships that I've gathered to this sport. Um, sometimes the fans are demanding, you know, and that's hard on on, on – players or you know right. a human being personally like the fans demand this not everyone's a john morasti you know what i mean exactly not everyone's a, a Joel terrio you know there's guys like me that you know fuck i didn't 
necessarily like to fight every game. I just did it because I had to sometimes, you know? Yeah. And the fans, you know, they, like, I'm not a pussy by any means, but I'm not in a category with those heavies that, you know, that's what they, I think I listened to Mayran's story when uh, his podcast on fourth line where uh, Bosse caught him and, and beat him and, you know, fuck, he went right to the gym training because he couldn't wait till the next fight. Exactly. You know, like those guys got so much pressure on them to win their fights that they're not afraid to fight. They're afraid to lose. Right. You know, and that's one thing that, you know, a guy like me, I don't care if I win or lose. I just show up and that's a win, you know. Exactly. And, you know, well, hey, you flourished for, fuck, <laughs> almost 10 years. What was it? What are you, 10 years? Well, how many? I think I, I think I put in 12, maybe like six too many. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like a lot of people now is like, hey, do you watch hockey now? Like, do you, do you watch the, you know, your feelings on the sport? And I think, you know, sometimes that's the question. And, you know, guys are quick to jump on. You know, I don't watch it anymore. I don't, I'm not involved. But, you know, when you think about it, the, the, the game of hockey has given so much to, to guys like me that I'm not willing to turn my back on the sport. Now, does that mean that I have to support the National Hockey League? With all the change, not really, but it does mean that I'm involved in the community. One thing we didn't touch touch base on here is I'm a I'm a referee as well now. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, I refereed. Uh, I started refing here, and and within three years, four years, I started refer. Uh, I was official for the Southern Professional Hockey League in Huntsville. <laughs> nice, it came full circle. Full circle. You were the one in the fights. Now you're breaking them up, right? <laughs> now I'm breaking them up. Actually, I didn't break them up. I broke them up real slow. So I used to skate in when guys were pushing and shoving because of the linesman. And I'd say, go ahead, boys. I'm not coming in. Fucking fight. There you and go. they wouldn't. Oh, they, they wouldn't. wouldn't. Do it. Like, that's, that's how much it changed. No, they wouldn't drop them. I'm not coming in. Go ahead, boys. They just stopped themselves. So it's, it's changed, you know? Right. When I got into the professional hockey, it was it – was, Win or lose, hit the booze on the bus. It was snarples on the bus with your teammates playing cards with your meal money. And everyone's sitting around at the front of the bus playing cards, bullshit, and having fun. When I stepped away from the game, it was guys in their bunks on their phones or their computers texting the guy that they played that night and asking how he's doing. And it was just like, I just can't relate to this. Right. And it's just how everything's changed. It's just society now, man. Just changed. It was, uh, you know, protein shakes on a, you know, after practice where, you know, when I broke into the it was like, let's go home and get some sleep because well, we're, gonna, we're going out again tonight. Right. The LNH had fun, or well, the, the Quebec League had beers in the locker room for you, man. <laughs> oh, that was exactly, exactly. So I think those kids are missing out on that, on the fun of it. And, you know, they, they come and play for a couple of years and then they go back home and, you know, go about their lives. But, Back when I played, man, you, a lot of guys, um, probably a lot of guys that follow uh, your website and uh, on your podcast, they 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 live where they played now, and they love it. Right. Yeah, I know. I know Toporowski. He actually, um, he uh, he still resides over in uh, I think Bettendorf, Iowa, but it's part of the Quad Cities where he played in the Mallard. So that's kind of cool to see that. Oh, absolutely. We got. I got like here at Huntsville. There's probably 10 or 15 guys that live here we got the best men's league in the south man <laughs> there you go <laughs> still collecting a few yep. majors here here and there in the men's league there you go still tearing it up 
Oh man. Well, Mike, it's it's been fucking awesome having you here, man. This is an awesome interview and I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on to the show, man. Well, I appreciate you uh, you know, giving me a platform to tell some stories and and uh, you know, that's my favorite part of it uh of your podcast is when guys get off the rails a little bit and you know, tell some some stories about when they're 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 playing, maybe not so much about the fights and stuff like that, which are good to hear too, but I like to hear, you know, just just the other things just the boys being boys right just the boys being boys yeah, yeah so that's exactly. the one i miss the most that's oh yeah what I, I don't miss i don't miss playing the game i don't miss definitely don't miss fighting um <laughs> but i miss just being around 20 other individuals that you know the bus rides they're going through the, what you're going you know, through man all the good stuff you know the good yep. times and the bad times and the roller coasters that we go through i miss that and i miss uh you know, you know. Obviously, work life's not the same. You got your people that you work with, but it's not like uh, when you're a hockey player and and you're around uh, each other. You know, almost 24/7. Uh, you go into a, an arena and you know it's some some nights it's war and you know everyone's got your back. So it's hard to build uh, new relationships that strong on the next phase of of our life. Exactly, man. Well, it's the same thing with the military, man. That's all I miss. I don't really miss the shitty field ops getting rained on and all that bullshit. I just miss the boys. <laughs> That's how That's it is. Right. But um, anyways, man, thanks again for coming on. This is this has been a real fucking treat, and I know for a fact people are going to love this shit. So, I, again, I can't thank you enough for even taking the time to come onto the pod. No, I appreciate it, and keep doing what you're doing because uh, I enjoy uh, those Tuesday afternoons at work when I throw my one earbud in and uh, pretend I'm doing my thing. Yeah, there you go. You just you <laughs> just keep on doing that, man. I love it. <laughs> oh shit! All right, man. Will you have yourself a good night? All right. Thanks, brother. Yeah. And uh, once again, keep doing what you're doing, and thank you very much. Turn out the lights. The part is over. They say that all good things must end Call it a night The part is over And tomorrow starts the same old thing again